Yeah, I feel incredibly uncomfortable. I do. So this has actually been worrying me at the back of my mind as I've been speaking. So is it bad if they hear that I find confrontation difficult? Does that make me look like a weaker leader or CEO? That's Peter Shulman. She's the CEO and founder of Goodness Me, Australia's largest health food sampling subscription box and one of the fastest growing online health food retailers in Australia. The business is one of those really rare cases that turned over a million dollars in its first 12 months and has grown 600% in 2021. You just heard her say that she's uncomfortable because in this interview, she's allowed herself to get vulnerable. And then, like so many of us, she worried about how people are going to hear her, you know, if they're going to change their opinion of how they see her after they hear this. I'm talking to Peter as part of the new mini-series on the Business Psychology Hotline called Founder on the Couch. Every so often, I, Talia Rabinovitz, clinical psychologist, lovely to meet you, will be interviewing a founder about the psychology that underlies their success. And then I'll be pulling out for you the specific practical psychological strategies that you can steal for yourself so that you can grow your business with less work, less stress, and more love and authenticity. In this episode, Peter shares how she stayed focused and motivated during the first few gruelling years of growing Goodness Me. And we're talking about the not-so-pretty, not-so-Instagram-worthy parts, like hysterical crying to her husband. She also talks about what she struggles with when it comes to one of the toughest parts of running a business, managing people and teams. And then, after she shares this, something really fascinating happens for me as a psychologist. Peter realises her team is going to be listening to this and she suffers live on the recording, what we call in the psychology business, a vulnerability hangover. We talk about this together and then arrive at the question of how safe is it for you to be vulnerable in your business? How much can you really be yourself? I'm going to give you a really practical question that you can ask as a guiding principle around this. Also, if you're somebody who struggles with worth and you doubt yourself in your business, you're going to feel really inspired by Peter as we highlight what she does from a psychological perspective to feed her confidence. There's a really practical strategy in there for you. Peter is also going to write us all a permission slip to stop grinding with the 14-hour days because we think that's the only way to grow our business. You'll hear proof that it is possible to have balance, do less work, and care for yourself more whilst making a massive impact in whatever industry you are in. Okay, see you in there. Welcome to the Business Psychology Hotline. and Welcome to the Business Psychology Hotline. Give me your business psychology questions and I'll solve them for you using melody and rhyme. Okay, Peter, so tell me, why did you start Goodness Me? Oh, it's a bit of a long story. I started it, so basically I was working in PR in the health space, but I actually got really sick and for years the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. So I had like fatigue and achy limbs and headaches and just, I just didn't feel normal. You know, when you wake up with energy, I just, I actually didn't have that for years and I'd been to so many doctors over and over who just said, oh, it's chronic fatigue or they didn't know what it was or even suggested, you know, maybe it's in your head, which is the most frustrating thing to hear ever. And, um, Eventually, I went to an immunologist who said to me, well, look, you've been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition and you kind of feel relief at a time when you get a a proper diagnosis. Um, But 
the solution was basically I'd have to go to hospital once a month for the rest of my life to get these protein antibody transfusions to keep my energy levels up. And I was 24 at the time and I really didn't want to do that. And I got quite upset and then I got like quite angry the next day when I woke up and I thought surely this doesn't have to be the solution. And um, I mentioned I was working in PR, I was actually working in the wellness space in PR. And what was so interesting was like I was learning all this stuff, but I wasn't actually putting any of it into practice. And a lot of it was about how powerful food can be to help your body heal or to help your body just function at an optimal level. So I started researching and looking into that and um, went to another doctor who advised simply just try cutting out processed foods from your diet and ultimately the idea to reduce inflammation in your body. And within three months, I started feeling better. My energy started coming back. Um, My test results started improving and they continued to improve over nine months. But what happened during that point was I was going to the supermarkets and trying to find products that didn't have artificial ingredients in them that were just made from real food. And I, I just couldn't find any. It was so difficult and then I'd wander into these health food stores and find like these really cool brands that tasted good as well and so my PR brain was like well why doesn't anyone know about these products and then the other side of me was like oh I want to get other people just as excited about these foods because they've really helped me and I don't want anyone to go through this when something as simple as food can make such a huge difference Um, And so that's where the idea of goodness me started to come about. I thought, well, why don't I deliver a subscription box where it's a surprise, you discover all these products and I'm fulfilling both marketing the brands that I work with and helping support them. And then at the same time, getting customers out there discovering these products and, and helping them as well. What really strikes me is that you woke up the next day after hearing that you'd have to go to hospital every month and you woke up angry and you said, no, that there has to be another way. And I think that that anger and that drive points to another psychological strategy that I think you use to get through what I've heard you call the trough of sorrow. Can you please tell us a little bit about what the trough of sorrow is and how you experience it? So I used to have the trough of sorrow, I'm not joking, sticky taped to my wall in the office and it's a graph. And so it shows this graph how every startup, you start on this like great growth trajectory and it goes like all the way up and then it comes like plummeting down. But the the best part of it, if you look at it, is it like goes up a little bit again and then back down, a little bit up and back down. And so like you get these like waves of hope and it's like, no, 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 you're not out of it just yet. Like it's it's still going, it's still going. And that goes on for like quite a while. And then eventually it goes back up. And so it almost illustrates like if you have that grit and perseverance and tenacity to keep going, it'll eventually go back up, right? And that could, that could be years. And I had that up on my wall during some of the worst times in business that I went through because in a weird way it gave me hope. Like it's going to get better, it's going to get better and we've, we've gone past those humps so like the wave of going up is coming. And tell I'm not joking – like for years it it didn't happen like the bad stuff kept happening and then like you'd come back down and so you get these moments of like plateau um and 
yeah, I've, I've found that really helpful looking at that trough of sorrow to keep me going. Okay, so can you tell us what your trough of sorrow moments, some of the toughest ones have been? Because I think people probably look at you and look at the growth of Goodness Me and look at the Instagram following and think, oh my gosh, like it's so easy to do on social media. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Look what Peter's done and she's so successful and it must just come so easy to her. But you know, it's we don't know what really goes on inside a business and how hard it is sometimes for the founder. 100%. So things can look really shiny on the outside often and then you've just got no idea what's happening behind the scenes. So um, some of those moments, like I went through a moment where I realized one day we had three weeks until we ran out of money and I was worried, you know, I wouldn't be able to pay the team members, you know, never mind the business carrying on. And that was probably one of the worst moments that I'll always remember as well. Um, We used to run these big events for, and which we'll still do post COVID, but we used to run these big events and it was at that event, I'll never forget, like it went off without a hitch. It was like this amazing whole food festival. The team was so elated at the end of it. And I remember looking at them or at the end of the night, it was midnight, we'd all been cleaning up. They were all on such a high after the event thinking, I don't have money the next three weeks, like we're going to run out and I didn't know what to do. I just remember I stood there like smiling at all of them and I, I was freaking out on the inside, like like absolutely freaking out. Um, and the only reason why we lasted was we got this amazing government grant, got accepted suddenly a week later, um, which put money back into the bank account. So to me that felt like sheer luck in terms of that timing. Um, I've been through really challenging times with team members, you know, when you're a small business as well. You feel like, you know, when one or two people aren't there anymore, it's really easy to feel like everything's falling apart as well. I've been through really, really difficult times with that. And I actually find often the people part of business the hardest part because that's like, you know, human connection, it's relationships, you care about everyone in the team. And then when something like doesn't work out, it can be really disappointing or disheartening. And so it's hard not to get upset or stressed out about it. Yeah. On a really emotional level. Okay. So you're standing there smiling at your team and inside, you know, oh my gosh, like we're running out of money. And at that moment, you don't know that you're about to get this amazing grand what like what's happening inside you when you're smiling? I remember feeling so proud of them because and like honestly like it was such an amazing night and they'd all worked so hard together and I think I felt like disappointed in myself that I was letting them down um, and I think all I was thinking is like what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I often don't think it's over, this is it. I'm always trying to figure out well like you know something we might be able to figure something out so I think I was still in that mode I don't know if that's like denial maybe (laughs) that I was feeling but like I was still thinking well what am I going to do what am I going to do tomorrow to try figure this out 
Okay, hold up. I want to pause and point out one of Peter's innate psychological strengths that you can use for yourself when you're in those moments in your business where you are stressed and at your wit's end and it feels like the end of the world. Can you hear how even in the midst of this change, this stress of only having three weeks left before she runs out of money and can't pay her team, Peter still stays hopeful and problem solves her way through it. And actually, if you think about it, the same thing happened with her health. Remember before Peter was sharing that she was faced with the very real possibility of needing to go to hospital every month to treat her autoimmune disease. In both of these cases, stressful, overwhelming times, she stayed hopeful and Peter problem solved. These are crucial moments right? You have them too in your business or in your life when it's so easy for us to collapse into panic or hopelessness. Has this happened for you when you've just been so stressed and overwhelmed in your business? How have you survived? Now, I want you to understand from a psychological perspective, we would think that in these moments, your autonomic nervous system, which is there to protect you, has become very overwhelmed with a stressor or too many stresses that you've experienced. And it's dropped you out of your highest, most evolved brain, we call it the unicorn brain, and into a fight, flight or freeze mode. Now, this is normal. Your autonomic nervous system is designed to do this, to detect threats or stresses and to drop you out of your highest brain and into these old survival modes. It's fine to drop into a fight, flight or freeze mode. What's not okay is when we stay there for too long because the longer that we're in these modes, the tougher it is for us to do what Peter does and problem solve and stay hopeful. So, This is the takeaway we can learn from Peter. Can you hear how she didn't get stuck in fight, flight or freeze mode? Yes, sure. She felt stressed and she was saying she, you know, she comes home and she hysterically cries to her husband's, husband's, one husband, as far as I know, some nights, but she doesn't stay stuck there. She's able to regulate herself back into her unicorn brain. And this process where we don't stay stuck in these modes and we regulate ourselves back into our unicorn brains, this is resilience in business. This is where our grit comes from. So here is the takeaway. So often in business, we give up or burn out and it's actually because we've gotten stuck in fight, flight or freeze mode. I know it's easy to blame ourselves and think, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not built for business. I'm just, I'm not made for this kind of success. But really, it's because we get stuck in these modes. And I want you to remember before you try to problem solve a crisis in your business or deal with any stress that's coming up, try to focus on regulating the nervous system first so that you have the most evolved part of your brain, your unicorn brain available to see the best solutions and stay hopeful about the outcome. That is what I think Peter does really well and I think it explains a lot of her success. If you need some help regulating your nervous system at work, you can go to my website, talia.co, T-A-L-Y-A dot co. Now have a listen to what Peter says next. She's talking about something that she does to regulate her nervous system. This is all about the idea of co-regulation, which is just the idea that we need each other to be there when we're feeling overwhelmed, to help us in our nervous systems co-regulate and calm down and find ourselves again. She talks about her experience of this, but I want you to think about 
Who is your person or who is your network? Who are your people to help you co-regulate in these moments of your business stress? I've definitely felt panicked. I've definitely been like in hysterical tears about stuff. I very much lean on people for support and I definitely go through moments of self-doubt, right? And I think all business owners and entrepreneurs do at times, but I think having a support network around you is so important. So I'll like turn to my husband or to my dad or someone who'll tell me it's okay, keep going. And I just need to hear that whether they know the answer or not, just hearing someone else believe in you, I think is really, really helpful. Oh, hi, me again. That's because from a psychological perspective, when we're too dysregulated in our nervous systems, when we're too stuck in those fight, flight and freeze responses, we lose the capacity to really see both sides of the coin, the good stuff and the bad stuff about ourselves, about the future, about our business. We're instead focused on the bad. We're in survival mode. We're focused on the bad. So having a safe person there who knows you, who gets you, who sees you, who you trust, to see the good when you can't see it can be regulating and can help you come back to the whole picture rather than that black and white thinking, bad, bad things are so bad that we can get stuck in when we're dysregulated in our nervous systems. So this is the question I want you to ask the next time you are feeling really stressed and overwhelmed about your business. Are things really this bad or am I just stuck in a fight, flight or freeze mode because my nervous system is overwhelmed? That is a very powerful question. Let's jump ahead. I asked Peter what's challenging about running her business at the moment and this is what she said. I think managing people overall is really hard. Giving them everything they need, that's hard. That's really challenging. Like, are they always okay? Are they getting everything they need? Are they feeling challenged? And then when something's off, not only do you feel for them, but like it kind of feels like a, it's a, a personally I feel like, oh, I've done something wrong or maybe I haven't given them the right environment to speak up when something started feeling wrong. So... I'm always so mindful to try think, well, how do we make everyone feel like there's a safe environment to speak up um, or to be open about what's going on? So you're sitting here and you're sharing with me some of the challenges that you find setting boundaries with your team, but we both know that you have to go to work in the next few hours and see them. What's it like knowing that you've sort of shared this and that they might hear you have shared this? So this has actually been worrying me at the back of my mind as I've been speaking. So is it bad if they hear that I find confrontation difficult? Does that make me look like a weaker leader or CEO? I mean, ultimately, I'm just worried about how they're feeling and if they feel valued. And I guess that's what makes the, the confrontation difficult as well. Um, but yeah. Absolutely, like that's that's worrying me. I guess I keep thinking, and this sounds really funny to me to say out loud, but will they think I'm too soft and I'm not hard-lined enough? But then when I say that out loud, like I wouldn't want to work for someone like that who wasn't being compassionate and empathetic towards me. But there's kind of like the stereotype out there, right, that as a director or CEO, um, yeah, you've got to be really decisive and potentially hard-lined. 
you know, and that whole saying like it's business, it's just business, like that whole philosophy that you grow up with hearing. And yes, it's business, but I still care about them. Ooh, can you hear what is going on here from a psychological perspective? Peter has just shared something vulnerable with us, that she finds it challenging to manage her team sometimes, specifically managing that tension between wanting to be herself with them and show that she cares, while at the same time feeling this pressure to look after the business and get things done, that it's just business mindset. She shared that she finds that tough. What's interesting, though, is the vulnerability hangover that happens immediately after she shares this. And I was watching it happen as I was speaking to her and got really curious about what was coming up for her. As soon as she shares how stressful managing a team can be, Peter worries about what her team might think of her, that she's too soft, that she's worrying about this kind of thing. And this is a challenge that you might find yourself experiencing, whether you manage a team, a team, a team, or you work with clients one-on-one. This tension between showing up as yourself, vulnerable, human, flawed, versus wanting to come across as professional and not lose any credibility. As a founder or a business owner, here is a practical question that you can ask yourself that can really help you get clarity on how vulnerable you can risk being with the people that you work with. This is the question. Will the person I am sharing this with get anything positive from me sharing it? Sometimes it's actually very helpful to share our flaws and challenges with others, especially people that we lead. Think about something that you struggle with and how your team might respond to hearing it. Will it make them see how much you care about them? as Peter's team might feel if she shares how much she grapples with the best way to manage them? And will it help them feel more safe and comfortable around you as they see that you're only human and then that makes it safer for them to be human and flawed with you as well? Of course, we want to consider the costs of being vulnerable. If Peter had shared when goodness me almost ran out of money with her team, well, they might have felt scared about their job security and left. That level of vulnerability doesn't benefit them. It might have helped her vent and let off some steam, but I think a good guiding principle for sharing our vulnerability is asking, how will this benefit or cost the person hearing this? And in my experience, high-achieving female business owners tend to share too little and can actually afford to be more vulnerable so long as there are boundaries in place to keep people feeling safe and looked after and so long as you're really mindful of the costs or benefits of them hearing your vulnerability. Okay, I want you to have a listen to what Peter says next, especially if you are somebody who struggles with charging what you're worth and you doubt yourself and you doubt the value that you provide in your business. I was really pleasantly surprised by what Peter said, but I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised because I think, again, this really goes quite far in explaining her success. Have a listen. I've heard you say, believe in yourself and you will be unstoppable. Is there ever a time where you don't believe in yourself and you've still had to push forward? And how do you do that when you don't believe in yourself and you're doubting your worth and capacity? I don't think I've ever doubted my worth. I've never thought like what I have to bring to the table won't have value in my particular field because I feel like I know what I'm good at, right? So the marketing, the branding, the partnerships, that stuff. Maybe I doubt myself potentially when it comes to more like operations side of things and finance, you know, that I'll have some self-doubt. So I don't know if it's so much the worth or value of what I bring. Um, 
I think it's the doubt of can I achieve this? But I'm a big believer that magnets always been there because I'm a big believer that if you go to someone and they can feel that you don't believe in yourself, they're going to feel that and then they're not going to want to jump on board with you, whether that's a partnership, an investor, a team member, whatever it might be. Like that energy is magnetic and people can feel that passion, right? And, and, and I always had that philosophy when I started the business. I had to go out to all different people and pitch the business and get them on board without them even knowing. And so I know that that worked then. And so ever since I've, I felt that from that time that when you believe in yourself, other people are attracted and come on board. Um, that's kind of carried with me from the beginning, from day one in the business. I am so used to asking even very successful women business owners if they doubt themselves and so used to hearing them say that they do that I was really surprised when Peter said, no, I've never doubted my worth. I know what I'm good at. And I think there's a really important takeaway here, a really important practical psychological strategy that you can adopt if you do doubt your worth, especially if that leads to you undercharging or avoiding taking really important steps to grow your business. And it's this, it's very simple. Be very clear on the value that you provide. And I mean quite quantitatively. Sit down and write a list of your top three clients or the top three achievements in your business and identify the strategies that you use, the skills and the talents that you have used to achieve those very outcomes because they didn't happen by accident. And I think we doubt our worth and we undercharge, undervalue ourselves in business when we forget, when we somehow disconnect from the very obvious quantitative evidence that shows just what we're able to produce. So make sure you're really clear on the value that you provide. It is so much easier to increase your prices and to launch new offers and to grow your business and to go after partnerships when you are very clear on that. Finally, I want you to hear what Peter says about this tendency that I see a lot of women in business have, which is around grinding and working 14-hour days and feeling the pressure to be constantly pushing and pushing to grow your business, maybe because you think that's the only way to grow your business. It is so reassuring, I think, if you feel that way to hear how Peter grows her business without doing any of that. In fact, she's quite the opposite. Do you grind? Do you find yourself pushing and grinding and feeling you need to work 14-hour days to grow your business? I do, but my health has always been a priority as well because it's it's had to be. So I've been forced because I have an autoimmune condition that I have to look after myself in terms of rest and food, which I think has actually, funny enough, helped me because I was very aware of my limitations. So don't get me wrong, like I've worked really hard, I've done really late nights, um, but I also know when it's going to become counterproductive and I need to stop. And I have fallen in, you know, those holes before where you just become so exhausted and I was like, you know, why did I do so many consecutive late nights doing that? Because now, you know, I'm two days out, I've had a flare-up and I can't do anything. I call it a flare-up when my autoimmune condition gets out of hand because I still have to manage it. It's nothing, it's something that's never 100% healed, I'll say. Um, 
I think having boundaries is really important and knowing your non-negotiables. So I know for me, having a walk in the morning is really important because not only is it just like movement and exercise, but I find it really clears my head for the start of the day. But this morning, for example, I know that sleep is more important. So this morning I had the opportunity to go back to sleep after I'd fed my baby. And I thought, I haven't had much sleep in the last night, so I'm going to choose sleep over walking because that's also one of my non-negotiables is to try to get as much sleep as possible. And obviously as a mum, it's within limitations. But I think knowing what you need to look after yourself is really important. Okay, so there you have it. Let's do a quick roundup of the psychological tips and strategies that you can learn from Peter so that you can grow your business faster with less stress and work and way more enjoyment and ease. Number one, expect the trough of sorrow. You know that there's always going to be ups and downs in your business. And even with Peter, she speaks about years when it's tough. That's not a sign that you're not cut out for business or failing. That's a sign that you're sticking with the tough times, which actually shows that you've got the grit to be successful. And from a psychological perspective, grit is actually one of the strongest predictors of success. So stay with the tough times. It's a sign that you've got grit. Number two, Be ready to regulate your nervous system when those tough times come. And remember that it's way easier to solve problems in the trough of sorrow if you're actually in your unicorn brain or what we would call social engagement mode, that most evolved part of your nervous system, rather than trying to solve those problems when you're in those primitive modes of fight, flight or freeze. Number three. It's okay not to be good at everything in your business, to have flaws and challenges. We all do. Peter, remember, says that hers are around operations and managing people. But it's vital to stay deeply aware of your strengths and the worth that you do bring to your business because without this, it's much harder to magnetize the right people towards you, whether it's customers, clients or partners, and to really feel comfortable launching new offers, putting yourself out there and charging what you're worth. Number four, challenge yourself to be more vulnerable in your business. I'm going to say both with your clients, customers, partners, and team, but use this question as that guiding principle. Ask yourself, what are the costs and the benefits to the person hearing your vulnerability? Because this will help give you a sense of how much much it's safe to share. Chances are it's more than you think because we are all craving human connection. Number five, You do not need to grind to grow your business. Peter holds really strict boundaries to protect her health, not allowing herself to work 14-hour days or say yes to everyone. She proves that you can be successful without needing to spin a thousand plates. And in fact, her emphasis on sleep and exercise probably is helping her stay very regulated in her nervous system and in her unicorn brain, where, you know, she can grow her business more efficiently and enjoyably, which I think we can see if we look at her results. If you need help learning how to regulate your nervous system or set really beautiful boundaries or connect with certainty to your worth so that you can feel way less stressed when you run your business and earn more money and enjoy it more, head to talia.co, T-A-L-Y-A.co. And that brings us to the end. Thank you for listening. I'm clinical psychologist Talia Rabinovitz. Please make sure that you don't use any of this information to substitute individual psychological care. Do reach out to your GP if you need that kind of support. See you next time.